0: Welcome to the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association's podcast. In Mark sixteen fifteen, Jesus says, Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to every person. This good news sermon was given in the Great Auditorium in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Visit oceangrove.org to learn how we are fulfilling our mission to provide people of all ages with opportunities for spiritual birth, growth, and renewal through worship, educational, cultural, and recreational programs at the Jersey Shore. I, on behalf of our music director, um, Jason Tram, <laughs> I will say to you, Happy New Year! Because this is the new year of the Ocean Grove Auditorium and uh, camp meeting season. Um, as we come together, we know that this is a time for us to worship the Lord, and what better way than to be reminded of the greatest commandment. Our theme this summer is going to be from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God, I should say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That is our call to worship for our announcements um, if you haven't gotten a program booklet yet um, be sure to uh, stop by the office or the front of the auditorium we have program booklet racks you're we also have all of the information online and in fact when things change we update the online right away so the best information is that which is online you can look up all of our programs at www dot oceangrove.org. It doesn't get much easier than that. Whether you want to see an auditorium worship service again, a beach church service or a Bible hour, all of those are streamed live, but they are also recorded and available to be seen again. And in addition, if you really only have a short amount of time, we also have podcasts that are a few minutes long of you know, key parts of messages, so check it out. Now, today's speaker in the great auditorium uh, is a dear friend of Oce- the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association, Pastor Roger Casey. I think this is his 17th year of coming to us. Let's give him a hand. He is a mighty evangelist and an enthusiastic Bible teacher. He will be coming back to do a Bible hour here, um, I think not this week, but look in your uh, program bulletin, I think it's two to three weeks from now. The 20th, June 20th is when it starts. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Casey has led countless number of people to faith in christ and help them on their journey so listen closely today god has a word for you
1: good morning isn't the lord good he uh, he made sure we were all baptized before we came into the auditorium although some had umbrellas up so they were refusing the baptism uh, Before I preach, I want to tell you something, a little something about myself. Uh, Soon after coming out of seminary, I pastored two churches in quick succession for three years each. Uh, The second church was in a town called Deal, D-E-A-L, and it was next door to Dover. You may have heard of the White Cliffs of Dover. And Deal was right next door to the White Cliffs of Dover. When you looked across the English Channel, because it was a resort town, right on the English Channel, when you looked across on a clear night, you could see headlights in the, on the coast of France. And someone told me, but I don't believe them, that with a good pair of field glasses on a clear day, you could read the time on the clock tower in Calais, 22 miles across the Channel. I don't believe that, but someone told me that. But that little town of Deal was a very historic town. And uh, it, was, it was a resort town, but it was quite remarkable. To the north and to the south, the, t- the coastal towns were filled with all kinds of amusements and the razzmatazz that goes with the uh, coastal towns. And there was uh, children's rides and there was the dodging cars and the the big dippers and the big wheel and all these different things, you know. But Deal was quite different. When you went onto the boardwalk at Deal, if you stood with your back to the sea and looked towards the town, there was all kinds of uh, little kind of historic fishermen's cottages. There was one or two hotels, but no high rises. It was absolutely uh, like stepping back in time. And I thought to myself, I'll never find another place like that. (laughs) Do you know anywhere like that? (laughs) Hello, Ocean Grove. (laughs) What a wonderful place this is. I was pastoring in in, uh, Manhattan for 19 years. And one of the elders in our church brought me here. And then my parents were over from England, and I brought them here. And I'd never seen a place quite like it, apart from deal. <laughs> and then I saw this uh, tabernacle and began to uh, hear about the spiritual history and God's square mile. And uh, began to uh, hear about that, and read about it a little bit. And I never thought I'd ever come to preach here, but uh, that was... About 18 years ago, for the last 17 years, I've been coming here. And it's been my great joy. And it's my joy this morning to bring the word of God. And God has given me a word for you this morning. And I'm excited to to be here. And I'm excited to bring this word. And I want to read from the prophecy of Isaiah. I know you say Isaiah, but Isaiah then you Isaiah chapter 6, fabulous chapter in the prophecy of Isaiah, the sixth chapter. I'm reading from the King James, and I'm reading the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, Lord, send me. The prophet Isaiah had lost a hero and found the Lord. He had anticipated that when King Uzziah died that the linchpin would be removed and the car of the nation's life would just topple over the edge. It would be a complete train wreck. All of Isaiah's hopes were in Uzziah. Uzziah was an aggressively righteous king and was leading the nation in righteousness, and so Isaiah pinned all of his hopes in him that there would be a tremendous revival in the nation. And the prophet was fearing that if the day should come, please God, it will not, when Uzziah is taken, then what's going to happen? And Isaiah anticipated chaos. But in place of chaos, there emerged the Lord of order. And it was almost like a surprise to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. If he goes, says the prophet, if he goes, what then? It would appear that a crisis would be assured. Enemy nations round about would take advantage of a weakened Israel. What will Israel do, Lord, if Uzziah is taken from us? But in place of the crisis came God. And the blazing glory was bewildering to the prophet Isaiah. and every generation since, including our own, have shared these kind of pessimistic fears. What will happen if that takes place? What's going to happen if this happens in my life? With the price of everything that's increasing, how can I pay my rent? How can I feed my family? What's going to happen to me if things continue the way they are? Some that are perhaps getting on in years, like, like (laughs) thee. What's going to happen in the future? What is there for me? Have I got enough in my savings? How is my health plan? Some perhaps that have had a diagnosis from a doctor. And you're sitting here this morning worried and concerned about what has been said. What's going to happen? What will Israel do if Uzziah is taken? And so often with all of these kind of pessimistic feelings. We leave God out of the equation. And we forget that God is always there for us. And he's here for us. He said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that word forsake is a very strong word. I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And you know, the amazing thing to me is that on the cross, Jesus, the son of God, experienced the forsakenness of God. My God, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? As he took upon himself your sin and mine. He felt that separation. He felt that forsakenness. And so then through the writer of Hebrews he says. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I've been forsaken that you might never be. Glory to God. That you might never be. Glory to God. You say preacher you're getting very excited. Why don't you tone down a little bit. I'm already toned down. He was forsaken that we might never be. And so the long feared crisis comes. Into our lives as it came into the life of the prophet Isaiah. And after all of our fears and all of our worries. We discover once again. The dazzling glory. Of a forgotten heaven. Heaven and a forgotten Heavenly Father who is there for us every step of the way. Glory to God. So with Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He anticipates an end and he finds a new beginning. And now the unique character of the vision, begins to impress itself upon the mind of the prophet. And I asked the question rhetorically this morning, where does the wonder of the prophet culminate? He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Well, that wasn't so strange perhaps for the prophet because he had a close association with Uzziah and may have been... Often, in the throne room, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. Not an unfamiliar sight. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. But well, there's no surprise there. I saw the Lord and his train, his robes, filled the temple. Uh-huh. Uh, that, I believe, was the marvel of, that made the prophet's heart stand still. The prophet was not a stranger to the conception of the throne or even the king high and lifted up. But the vision of the train, of the robes of the Lord filling the temple was altogether foreign to his thought. We have to remember that in all of the temple arrangements there were different grades, and there were varying levels of sanctity. Even in the time of the Lord Jesus. Uh, there was areas where the Gentiles even could tread within the temple area. But they could only go so far. And then of course there was the silent and wonderful section called the Holy of Holies. Where only the high priest on Yom Kippur could enter and in that Holy of Holies, the awful presence of God represented by that Shekinah glory cloud that hovered between the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Sea. And now this wonderful vision, his train filled the temple, not just in one section, not in one place, but he was everywhere. It says in the fourth verse. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. The posts of the thresholds. Not merely the curtains of the inner shrine. But the whole house is filled with the glory of God. The sense of his presence. The garments of the almighty. They sweep across the unsuspected area and there's not one place exempt from the touch of his enveloping presence. So what now does this vision bring to this young hero worshipper who thought that everything was lost once Uzziah was out of the picture? Now with the passing of this noble king, it brought to Isaiah a new and a grand concept, a large concept of God, a filling out conception of God. That he filled the whole place. There was not one part of the tabernacle. Where his presence was not felt. And uh, Uzziah could come and then go and be gone. But this presence of God was there forever and forever. He filled the place. And I tell you this morning. The Lord is filling this place. His presence is in this place. And his presence is in your life. And his presence is in my life. You know. Where God is there is mystery. And part of the mystery of God. Is he's everywhere now. Everywhere now. And you cannot go anywhere. Without he's with you. Hallelujah. Whether it's on the beach. Or in the supermarket. In the office. On the factory floor. Or in the sanctuary. God is here with us. Filling our life. And He's everywhere now. And this, I believe, is the vision that gripped the heart of this prophet Isaiah. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is here this morning and in your life and mind, In this whole place in not just God's square mile, but in every mile, is His presence. If it was not for the Lord's goodness, we would all be consumed. We never wake up in the morning, I never do, and think, I wonder if there's enough air to breathe today. And normally, when I'm here at Ocean Grove, I never have to worry about whether the sun is going to shine. Though this morning, I've got a real kick. The faithfulness of God, that He is with us continually. And it's because of that that He is to be worshipped. And we are to praise Him. And what is the theme of this whole season? That found there in Matthew 22. And read in verse 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Why? Why? Because he's done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Because he will never leave us nor forsake us. Because his presence fills our life and fills the sanctuary and fills our days and fills the months and fills the years until we see him face to face. That's why he's worthy to be praised. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord sometimes. (laughs) Just now and again, when I feel like it. No, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I grew up of course, in England and we used to have, we had a fairly large church close to London Airport in the London area. So whenever a guest preacher would come from overseas, especially from this country, they would normally come to our church first as part of their itinerary. And one American evangelist came, he shall go unnamed. But he came to our church and he said, we're going to sing a chorus this evening, I'm going to teach you a chorus. And we're going to sing it probably about 10 or 20 times. My pastor sitting to the side, he said, a good hallelujah will be just as well. (laughs) The Psalmist said, as such as love his salvation, Say continually, the Lord be magnified. We're to praise him and to worship him and to glorify him continually with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with our strength, with our whole being. He was all in for us. We are to be all in for him. Amen? Amen? Is that good preaching? The most important moments in our life are related to the growth or the impoverishment of our conception of God. And it's a momentous moment when we see that even in the areas of our life where we did not expect that God was interested, He shows up. We were in our first church in England, I'd graduated from art college, I'd worked as an illustrator and art artist, commercial artist for a while and earned fabulous money and then we went into seminary, my wife and I, when we graduated seminary no one knew me and uh, a little church in the country said we'll, we'll take a risk and so that was my first church. And they paid me they gave me a house the church paid for the house i paid for all the other bills but they gave me a salary i think i've got more money in my pocket at the moment than they than they paid me Um, very very small it's a small congregation a little rural country town and they did what they could We had one child at that time, Jonathan. He was just a baby in arms. And uh, we got to about the middle of the week, a couple of days before I would get my next um, salary check. And one morning my wife Carol, she said to me, you know, uh, we don't have anything at all. We didn't have a larder because we never had enough money to store stuff. We just lived literally day to day at that time. She said, we don't have anything except some jars of uh, baby food and formula, which a lot of people would like today. (laughs) But we had, uh, that's all we had. And we weren't going to eat that, but we had nothing. I said, well, there's some bread. There's absolutely nothing until we get paid. Now I could have, um, I probably could have put a call into to my father. He was, he had a terrific job. He was the art director of Ford Motor Company. I could have put a call in to him and said, hey, you know, can you help us out? But I didn't like to. I didn't want to. You know, that pride thing, you know. So we said, well, maybe the Lord wanting us to fast. <laughs> we always put a kind of little spiritual spin on it. We should fast and pray. Little did I know, just around the corner from where we were living, near to the church building, a lady by the name of Mrs. Brannon woke up that morning. And God the Holy Spirit said to her, I want you to cook a meal for the pastor and his wife. And so Mrs. Branham prepared a meal. I think it was a Thursday. But it was the kind of meal that in those days you would only have on a Sunday. Roast beef. Roast potatoes. The, the carrots. The onion. All the good stuff. My, my mouth is already watery. <laughs> Did you say we were going for lunch? <laughs> all the good stuff. And on a Thursday, she prepares this sumptuous feast and round about 11 o'clock, 11.30 time in the morning, there's a knock on our door and here she stands with this uh, touring, you call it a touring, filled with this. That took us through, I mean, when you let that roast beef go cold, you can carve it real well. That dinner took us a couple of days. Until I received my salary. Who would think. That God would move. And be interested. In that kind of detail. In our lives. We were living in Philadelphia. It was a faith mission. That we were working with. Teen Challenge. And I was teaching teaching. The boys home and the girls home and then preaching for Teen Challenge in different places and it was faith work and uh, when food came into the uh, centers we had food if it didn't come in we didn't eat and there was no salary involved just uh, our health coverage my wife said uh, our daughter we had a little girl then Samantha she needs new shoes and she had a wide wide foot and so there was a shoe called, I think it was called Buster Brown. Yes. You ladies know Buster Brown. You know. I've got a good memory. <laughs> and my daughter said, I want black shiny shoes. Black shiny. That little painted leather in a shoe. Well, I didn't know where we were going to find the money for that until I think it was my son who was on bro- walking down Broad Street and he found $10, a $10 bill, on the sidewalk. Now, that doesn't happen in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> we went down to Warner Makers in Centre City, Philly. And they'd come to the end of a shoe site. And we went in and we said... Uh, we're looking for this type of shoe. It has to be wide shoe, a Buster brown, probably. And uh, if you have it in black, it'd be a wonderful patent leather. That'd be really lovely. He said, I don't hold much hope for you. He said, we're at the end of our sale, and uh, the sh- shelves are empty now. He said, I'll go out into the back room and see if I can find something for you. Just wait there. A few minutes later, he came out with a box. And in the box was a pair of black paint and shoes, the shiny shoes, Buster Brown, wide, fitted Samantha perfectly. You know why, don't you? Because the scripture says, he knoweth my frame. <laughs> he knew her frame. Those shoes fitted perfectly. So then we said, well, this is high-end. Uh, how much are these shoes? Well, he said, it is a sale, and this is about the last that we have, of anything like this and he said we tax ten uh, dollars <laughs> there's no reason for me to stand here and lie I'm telling you experience and truth and what God is able to do his presence he's training, filled the temple his presence everywhere Wanting to minister to us. Wanting to bring his blessings into our life. So that we in turn will be filled with praise. To worship him with our whole being. As a boy I like reading that story of Robinson Crusoe. You probably remember the story. He begins his life. Shipwrecked on a deserted island, and he does everything he can to fend for himself and to make a place for himself. And then one day, as he's walking on the beach, he sees the print of a human foot, and it revolutionizes his whole entire concept of that island and what might happen. And friends, if you look, you don't have to look far very far before you see the footprints of God in all of our lives. Amen. And you may be hurting today and you may be troubled by this, that or the other. But I tell you, God is for you. And if God is for you, who in the world can be against you? In the book of Genesis, the 28th chapter, we find Jacob on the run. He's cheated his father and his brother, deceived them to such an extent that his brother Esau wants to murder him. And so Jacob's mother says, run for your life and go to Uncle Laban's house, which was many miles away. And he'll give you refuge. Just get away from here before Esau gets his hands on you. And Jacob runs from his homestead and he finds himself out of breath and in the wilderness and probably very, very troubled and convicted because of the things that he had done to his brother and father. And he's tired and he's hot. And it's wilderness area, desert area. And he lays down to sleep if he can. And he finds a rock to use as a pillow. That shows you how bad things work. When you've got to put your head on a rock to go to sleep. And while he's sleeping, there is a vision, a dream. And there are ladders coming down out of heaven. To where he is. And angels are ascending and descending those ladders. Really with blessings for him. And listen to what happens when he wakes up from that sleep. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. I want to tell you my friends this morning and repeat. The Lord is in this place. And whether you feel it or not makes no difference. I believe, Lord, that you are where your people are gathered together. Even it says two or three in your name. Lord, you are here. Surely the Lord is in this place. And right across this auditorium this morning, you may not see it with these eyes, but there are ladders dropping down from heaven to where you are my sister, my brother this morning troubles in your body troubles in your family troubles in your finance there's ladders dropping down right to where you are God came down to him in a desert place God saw him and met with him there. why? because his train fills the temple God is everywhere now there for us And waiting for us to bless him. And to worship him. It's a wonderful moment for our soul. When we discover that the Lord is for us. And that he's with us constantly. Over in the Gospel of John. There's an interesting moment. When Jesus meets with a woman of Samaria. And uh, he shouldn't have even been at the spot where he was at the disciples were somewhere else but this was a divine meeting it was a divine arrangement and Jesus begins to speak to this woman and the woman is very messed up she's she's had many husbands her life has been a mess but as he's talking to her she begins to perceive that there's something special about this man. And the woman said, I'm reading from John 4 verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you Jews, you say it should be in Jerusalem, that that's the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto a woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor even in Jerusalem worship the Father. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. No special place, not even a special time, although we love to come together together. At an appointed time to sing the praise of God. And to worship him. But no special place. No special time. But because he's everywhere now. Because his train fills the temple. I can praise him. With my heart and my soul. And my mind. And my strength. And give my all to him. Does that sound good to you? My father was a lovely Christian man, my mother, but they were a little legalistic and uh, my father would never buy gas on a Sunday and uh, when the ice cream truck came round and the bells jingled in our neighbourhood, my brother and I sat with our lips sealed wanting to have a taste of that ice cream but we dare not go out to that ice cream truck, not on a Sunday. We couldn't turn television on on a Sunday. We could only listen to gospel music. And in those days it was George Beverly Shay on Long Plain Records. <laughs> and it was only as I got a bit older I said to my father, you know, you keep those Sabbath day laws, but you do realise, don't you dad, that the Sabbath day is Saturday and Sunday is the first day of the week. You've been doing it all wrong. But whether we praise Him on a Saturday or praise Him on a Sunday or praise Him on a Monday. I was in a church in Philadelphia some years ago and preaching. And the leader of the meeting at the end of the service, he said to the congregation, Now some of you come forward and receive some blessing to get you through the week. My lands, to get me through the week. Isn't God real on Monday? Isn't God real on Tuesday or Wednesday or every other day? His train fills the temple. His presence is everywhere now. Oh glory God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah And he longs for us that we might praise him and magnify him for his greatness, for his majesty, for his mercy, for his grace, for this salvation. That we receive freely. For this boldness that we have. Even by the blood of Jesus. To enter into his presence. To worship him. Holding nothing back. In our devotion. But loving him. And serving him. Until the day dawns. And the shadows flee away. And we see him face to face. And what a time that's going to be. What a meeting we're going to have. What reunion it's going to be with other believers and friends and family. When we're gathered together in the presence of God to praise Him forever. In Revelation it says, it's like the sound of many waters. As the waves crash on the beach. So the waves of, of joy and the waves of praise and worship will be coming continually. As we have fresh revelations of His greatness. And it says His servants will serve Him. I don't know what He's got in store for us. But He has all kinds of plans and purposes. At this point in time, His purpose is to bring together a people that would love Him. And praise Him and honour Him and worship Him. And surrender their lives totally to Him. And when that purpose is finished, and the church is taken into his presence, then there will be other purposes that God has. Because he is from everlasting to everlasting. So while I'm here, and while you're here, and while we are together, in the faith, we are to give him our all. And we will stand unashamed before Him. And we'll say, oh God. It's just like Isaiah saw. Your train is filling the presence. The whole place of heaven. It's just going to be nothing but God. Will I see God then? Because God is a spirit. Will I see Him? You know what I like to think about that? As I'm looking over here. I see the organist and the choir master in my peripheral vision. I can't see them clearly, but I know they're there and I can see them just in that peripheral vision. When we get into the presence of God, when we get into heaven, we're going to see Him face to face who we've worshipped and served in this life. And as we look upon Jesus, we're going to be aware of his greatness as he's also seen in the presence of the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit. For together, this great God will fill heaven as he now fills heaven and earth. Doesn't matter whether a person is an atheist, doesn't make any difference to God at all. He's still, the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. Doesn't matter if people don't believe in him. In a sense. He's still God. Whether they believe or not. He's still God. He will always be God. And he's always to be praised. Hallelujah. I saw the Lord. High and lifted up. And his train. Filled the temple. Now. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? We're going to sing a hymn, in a, just in a few seconds. Beautiful hymn, I surrender all. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do something very old time Methodist this morning. The prims, remember the, have you read about the primitive Methodists? I preached in a place called Naocop, M-O-W, two words, M-O-W-C-O-V. Malcock, it was where the primitive Methodists kind of exploded on the scene. I'm going to do an old Methodist thing this morning. And I'm going to invite you, each one of us, here. If God has spoken to you through this message this morning. He's all in for you. Will you be all in for him? In this new season of camp meeting of the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting. in this new season, the first service in this new season. Here you say, Lord, I will worship you. I will praise you with all of my being, with everything I have in me. You poured yourself out for me. I want to pour my life out for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something I want you, if God is speaking to you in this season, would you stand to your feet right now? Stand to your feet right now. You say, I I just want to commit my life or recommit my life. I want to renew my consecration. Not just to this camp meeting. Not just to this music ministry or to this president. But I commit my life and I recommit myself and consecrate myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of my life. Thank God. If you want to come and kneel here, there's an altar rail here. If you want to come and kneel here, you can do that. That'll take a little bit more boldness, but you may want to do that. Come down here and kneel here. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. That's right. Come and kneel. There's one. Any more? want to come and kneel here. Two. Lord, I'm consecrating myself to you. In a, in a, this is a, going to be a new season for me. With my heart, my soul, my strength, my, everything I have for you, Lord. Others of you, just come and kneel here, just in an act of recommitment, as the Holy Spirit leads, speaks to you, especially if you're working perhaps in the camp this season with children or young people. It's not just an entertainment, is it? God forbid, not just entertainment. My, this generation, we, we can't fail this generation. They're in trouble. And if you're going to be working with the young people or the kids, come and kneel here. God, give me something for, the, for my generation. Give me something that I can touch some lives and bring some hope in a season of hopelessness. We're all suffering at this time. And not just in this country, worldwide. We've come through this terrible pandemic. And Satan says, ah, but no way. God is in control of all things. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is still on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to just pray a prayer before we sing a hymn for our friends that have come forward and everyone that's standing here this morning and for the president and the organist, the choir, the song leader, the choir master. Heavenly Father, you've given us another season in which to praise you. We've given, you've given us another opportunity to magnify your name. And to spread this wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the streets of this town. In neighboring communities. In the beach area. On the boardwalk. In the pavilion. And here in the auditorium. And Lord. We ask you today. Pour out your spirit upon your people. See those that are standing and kneeling before you whose hearts Lord you've touched bless all those that are in ministry the president the organist the choir master the members of the choir those that are working with the youth and the children those that are giving bible studies on the beach and in the in the various uh, meeting halls oh god let this be a season that we will remember of your glory fill Fill the tabernacle for other. Let your presence, let the train, Lord, let your garments fill every nook and every cranny, Lord, of this s- square mile and beyond. Oh, Father, may your presence be felt. And those that come into this town just to uh, spend time on the beach, just to have a nice day. With no knowledge of you, Lord, may there be such a movement of your spirit in this town, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh Father, bless this whole area with your presence in Jesus' name. And Lord, we offer ourselves afresh to you, we consecrate ourselves afresh to you, that you would use us for your glory. <coughs> Lord, our body, our soul, our mind, our strength. Oh, Father, use us for your kingdom glory in Jesus' name. Use us, Heavenly Father, that we may be a blessing to you and a blessing to the people that your name might be magnified forever. And all God's people said, "Amen, amen." amen. amen. And some said, And others said,
0: "Praise the Lord."
1: And I say, "Good morning." I think that's sometimes what we're doing when we hold our hands up we saying, "I surrender. I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. I surrender."
0: Thank you for listening. For more about attending a worship service in the Great Auditorium, additional programs offered by the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association, and social media links, go to oceangrove.org.